0: Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of the Option Menu Crew Podcast. This is episode 37. Today with you, the crew, is myself, Ryan, and Ed as well. How are you doing today, Ed? Oh, I'm
1: good. Um, I think we've been thinking about this topic for a while. Um,
0: And, uh, you know, which one is that? I'll let you introduce. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So today's episode topic is replay value and this ties into a couple different things which we'll get into in the episode, but we've been talking a lot about price. Um, I guess this could be marked as the monetization, as part of the monetization uh, series of episodes. I'm not sure, what do you think, Ed? Do you think we're mostly gonna be talking about pricing here or do you think there's-
1: I mean that, yeah, maybe. That, that's that's kind of where value comes from. Like there's no discussion of value without the discussion of, you know, the cost of, of, uh, a game or, or the service it's on. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think it is, I think this is the next part of the monetization series.
0: Okay. I'm going to mark up the agenda. With... Because that is an important point that I didn't really think about, but yes, uh, it was conceived. We wanted to talk about replay value. What makes a game replayable? How does how should that factor into the price? There's a whole whole lot here. And honestly, I was getting a little scared thinking about like, oh man, is, can we fit this into 90 minutes? And I mean, we we typically go over 90 minutes, of course, but we aim for around that for listeners who've been keeping track. And who knows, we might revisit it, but there's other parts that'll maybe branch off into different episodes. But I guess to start with replay, because I I wrote down a bunch of stuff for the agenda, Um, we just got to get right into it, is um, how often do you replay games, Ed? And I guess we have to preface this with the difference between single player and multiplayer. So let's focus on single player, because typically when people think about replaying a game, they're not thinking about multiplayer. They're thinking about a single-player game with a set campaign and length. So let let's focus there. We are going to touch on multiplayer. So how often do you replay single-player games?
1: Pretty rarely, honestly. Um, you know, I, I I especially being an adult with limited time to play games and and um, you know other hobbies that I like to enjoy. Uh, there's so many games out there that you know, I don't usually replay a game. I usually prefer to start something new. Um, i i I kind of see this topic replay value is is not just you know how how much time how how replayable are games, but really kind of as a shorthand of uh, you know how much content there is is there in a game to keep you engaged um, and but but, for me, most single player games I don't end up replaying unless there's something like significantly different or unless there's like d l c like d l. c is like new content, but it does get you to come back to the same game, and it you know and d l. c uses a lot of the same assets so you're you're still experiencing some of the same uh you know parts of the game just in a different way um so um for me, there usually has to be something different to come back to. If it's going to be pretty much the same experience, I I generally don't want to go back to it. Um, and it's not because I don't enjoy the game. Like I, you know, it just I I would almost rather spend my time on working through another single player game than experiencing the same one again. And that's not That's not unique to games with me. Like I rarely rewatch movies. I don't usually reread books. Like um. So it's like I'm I'm usually moving on to something new when it comes to um the, a new uh you know experience in in media and but what about you um I I know you've talked about some games to me that you've replayed and some of them you've played many times but I I think it's it's pretty rare for you as well isn't it.
0: Um, depends, actually. And I'll, I'll toss it back to you after I finish this part, because I was going to say, I there's got to be games, because we've had conversations. There are games you have replayed. So I do want you to think about over the years, not just as an adult, which uh, you said you've you've been gaming more and more as you've uh, grown up, and you came to gaming kind of late. But is is what single-player games you have replayed and revisited? Um, and over the years, for me, I definitely think there is a trending, because when you're younger and you have limited... Uh, uh <laughs> limited extra cash um, disposable income that's the phrasing I was looking for is uh, you you tend to replay your games more because it's all you've got and you're not going to be able to get the next one now I was lucky enough to have like a blockbuster nearby and a and a decent uh, upbringing so I was able to rent games on occasion and was able to try a whole bunch of different games. Um, And then eventually, like, usually buying games, I rarely got them new, except uh, on the occasional game through, like, Christmas or birthday gifts. Um, But I do remember a lot of actually obtaining games through, uh, not necessarily garage sales, but, like, flea market stuff and whatnot. That's usually when I got, like, new games. Um, uh, Bought new games. But for replaying, uh, it really depends on the game. So when I was younger, there's only a couple games I still would be willing to replay No new content whatsoever. And that would be... uh, Some of those games are Super Mario RPG, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, Final Fantasy VII, the original. Um, And then, weirdly enough, pretty much all the Resident Evil games. Uh, Not all of them, I have my select favorites, but... Typically, I will replay Resident Evil games a whole bunch, and that's kind of what got me thinking about it, is because Resident Evil games are built to be replayable. They're they're like I I shouldn't say they're the only ones, but Capcom has definitely like made it a habit of making single player games that are meant to be replayable. Devil May Cry has got the same way. They do it through the different difficulty modes, and they shake up what's the aspects to help give uh, bring up the challenge. Um and I don't know what I can say uh, so much about like those other RPGs where you're really, really nothing's changing other than maybe doing things a little bit different. Maybe there's a secret here, or there that I didn't see. But it's just kind of the joy of going back. And then for Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time uh, and Majora's Mask, like I've I replayed it probably three or four times on N64. Then I rebought it uh, when I got, or I replayed it again when the GameCube collection came out. Um, actually, twice, because I think, yeah, when Wind Waker was coming out, there was the Ocarina of Time main quest and Master Quest port of the N64 of Ocarina of Time to GameCube. And then they also did a Legend of Zelda uh, separate collection for GameCube that had, um, I think, Zelda 1, Zelda 2, Ocarina, I don't remember if Master Quest was involved with that, and Majora's Mask uh and i think that also had like a demo of i forget if the demo i think the demo for maybe it was just, maybe it wasn't playable maybe it was just a video for for wind waker was on one of those two collections i forget which one um and then i rebought ocarina of time and legend of and Majora's mask when they made the 3ds versions of them which were actually enhanced like they weren't just like remasters they were all they were like enhanced remasters because they redid some of the graphics character models texture work etc and so on plus interface changes that made those games easier to play so yeah I, I've replayed those Final Fantasy 7 I went through it like three times I think but I used GameShark a lot so it made it really easy to go through I just enjoyed the story figuring out like different um, ways to uh, use the magic and materia, different team combinations and things like that. And there was like extra dialogue and side quests you could get. But in terms of from then on, um, with Resident Evil, there's incentive to replay because you unlock new weapons and you can go back through and there might be some other secrets and things that you miss or whatnot. Uh, and I, I would like to do... I did attempt some of the speed runs later on. I got more interested in doing those and, and trying to unlock the better weapons. But then... I found a balance between that because, like, for Resident Evil Two Remake, I did only one of the speed runs to unlock one specific weapon, which was like an infinite ammo machine gun. There was like two or three other like super powered weapons, but I'm like, I don't need anything else. Once you have an infinite ammo machine gun, and it has pretty decent power, you you can take down any enemy in the game pretty easily. You don't need to be trying to get any of the bigger guns, and it it's just not as fun to try and do it at some of those higher levels, uh, and and as tight a time. Thing. it kind of takes away the what I find fun about those games and I think that's the the, the thing there is with single player games um, it, it really is a personal value of like what about this game are you enjoying exceptions to the rules sort of is that like near and near automata now you don't really have to replay those full games to get the endings it's kind of a misnomer that you're replaying them they're more like different chapters to the to the full experience that you're getting it just kind of disguises itself as if they're replays of of the game and some of those are more or less replays but there's always new content sprinkled in and in,
1: in near replicant like or i guess just it as it was called mm-hmm. or in the first there those are straight up replays i'm sorry like you cannot call those Mostly, chapters yeah. when it's almost identical automata was more like boring. the la- yeah, auto, uh, yeah, right, automata right. was a little different, but like Replicant was just straight, and and I like that about it. But um, those ones, I I really can't call those yeah. <laughs> another chapter when it's um, almost identical.
0: Yeah, and then just to round it off before I toss it back to you, is uh, Borderlands. So Borderlands one, I replayed a bunch, and that was each time I was playing with a different character, and that like almost a completely different moves. Okay, I shouldn't say it was a completely different moveset, but the different special powers make them very unique. And there's also an incentive for that, because then when you're partying up with friends, if you want to have a full set of characters. Then Borderlands 2, similar thing, although with that I kind of stuck to the main two and then cheated to mod the the characters up so I didn't have to replay it, because there was limited content between all of those, and as I've mentioned before on on the side quest episode, was that the, the side quests repeat, so... I, once I understood that that was the pattern with the game I played through playthrough one no, in borderlands 2 just main quest then when I hit the second did the second run through it I did all the side quests in order to give myself a bunch of fresh experiences uh, and then I borderlands three luckily enough I you don't have to replay the campaign um it, it's it works differently it's it's a little weird I don't I don't know how to explain it correctly here but you I only had to do one playthrough leveled up did side quests, um, and then uh, did all the DLC campaign expansions, which was fine. And those, so I only kind of did one playthrough of that game, and that's that's great though. So I didn't have to replay because of the, the nature of it. I also stuck to one character, uh, especially because now there's the way things are. It's it's much easier to just stick to one character in in the game. It, it's really annoying to have to replay and do all the exact same content again. Especially when with the guns, like everyone gets the same type of guns, they just have the different special ability. So it's not like a completely different experience where with some other games you did those. Oh, uh, and quick shout out to Mega Man X 1, 2, and 3 on Super Nintendo. Uh, and I think I replayed. Yeah, Mega Man X 4, you do, because there's a the X version of the campaign, campaign where you play as X and then there's a zero, and both of them have very significant moveset differences. So. That makes sense there, and there those are like the only ones I replayed multiple times um, out of the Mega Man series that I've played. Um, can't think of anything else that isn't like uh, like a multiplayer focus game, like a fighting game or something like that. So those are the single player games. But lately, uh, and oh, I did want to shout out since I recently beat Tales of Arise. Like it has a new game plus feature. I'm not going to use it. I don't. I don't want to go back and, and redo that. But I will do, a, there's a good chunk of post-game content, and I'm in love with those characters, and there's more dialogue for me to get and more things for me to experience. So I've left it installed on my PC so I can go back, and I'm going to occasionally just go in, do a few quests, and chip chip away at that while I play some other games in between. So uh, that game's left a mark. So that's not replay, but I'm continuing to play that with fresh content, which I think is like a weird career in the thing. So, yeah, Ed, do you want to mention any of the games that are exceptions for you that were single player that you have replayed.
1: I'd say most of them are probably was when I were from when I was younger and mm-hmm. didn't have, you know, as many games either, you know, just didn't have the money or means to buy every game that looked interesting to me, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, that's just a challenge for me in adulthood. I get it. Adulthood. I get excited by something new and buy a new game and then, Oh wait, I'm still finishing this old game. So, but you know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I, I think um, probably the Ratchet and Clank games on PS2 are the best example of games I've replayed because those games and actually Rift Apart does this as well. Um, maybe I'll play that again. But they have um, a challenge mode after. It's it's kind of like a re, a new game plus where the, the enemies are more challenging, but you get a multiplier for bolts which are the currency in the game where you know if you if you kill more enemies without getting without taking damage you you will get a multiplier on the bolts you receive and you really need that because you can buy better versions of the weapons that you've already um you know upgraded fully so you're you're um it's, it's just more of the same but you get more powerful weapons there's kind of a on a new gameplay loop where you get more powerful weapons and you get more bolts like it, it is it's the same game essentially but they give you a reason to keep playing it and they're they're fun games to play and uh they're short enough that it's it's not it i don't think it gets too uh stale um you know, uh the other game I can think of that I had replayed a couple of times and is um Metroid Fusion. Uh, that was the first Metroid game that I played and I still like that. Um might go back to that after Dread just because I I have I'm having like nostalgia for it cuz I you know it's the first one I played and you know I don't know if I'm remembering it being better than it was and you know I I, I think we had a conversation of where I was kind of Putting that above Dread, but Dread's a really good game too, so it's like it, it, I had the thought yeah, to it's... replay it, but I hadn't yet. Yeah. Try, trying to think of anything else that like there's some games that I would like to replay. I just like like I said before, I get excited about something new and um, you know, don't necessarily put the time into it. Like I played um Fire Emblem Three Houses and that you know, obviously from the name has three different houses that you could align to, and each of those have different characters and story content. Um, I only played as one of the houses and finished one of the routes, and um, that one has a new game plus where, like, when you start the game over, you can still keep some of your character levels that you let you do more things. So, like, a, a new playthrough is going to be quicker, because you can spend this currency called Renown, to um, you know, bring your bring previous characters to the levels that you had them in the old in the previous playthrough, and you can more easily recruit other characters. So like, you're not spending as much time on the subsequent playthroughs because it carries over some of the progress you've made. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the only thing that really makes me hesitate on replaying that is the first ten or so chapters, maybe it's twelve chapters, or maybe are almost identical they're just you just have different characters but the story is the same and you know so you're it, it would have been nice if when they were designing that game that a larger part of the playthroughs were unique because it does kind of stink to have you know half the playthrough in your second time be really close to the first one um yeah. uh but i i think one thing that really makes another playthrough worthwhile is having kind of a new game plus mode where you do carry over some things and the experience can be a little different Um, definitely but but with with the fire emblem like every experience can be a little different because there's enough characters and enough ways to develop your characters that you're you know you can choose to make it different um which is not the case with something like metroid but but the draw for that for some people is getting a faster time or collecting more items so there's you know there's different reasons to replay different games
0: yeah yeah uh yeah for resident evil it's like similar to that i I kind of just enjoy being able to be more optimized and it makes it it feels good to, like, have more ammo, to take out enemies more efficiently, to understand how to, like, manipulate the I, I guess it's it's like a weird power trip type thing. Um, I don't know. Someone, uh, I, I heard someone on a different podcast explain, like, the way it seems like, con- like, you're just slowly controlling the chaos of it and getting that, getting the hang of it and, like, overcoming the fear. It's almost like a that that's where the power trip comes from. And that was... I thought it was a very succinct way of of what I probably am enjoying with with Resident Evil games. Um, What I wanted to also mention is, like, I've replayed a few games because they were remastered. And that would include Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I talked a little bit about before. Um, So I, I replayed those games. I had started replaying the Kingdom Hearts series when the HD remasters started coming out on PS3, and I was almost finished with Kingdom Hearts 1. But I stopped like right at the final boss. I forget why. Um, but now I now that they've I rebought the collections for PlayStation Four, and now I'm just waiting for the PC versions to come to Steam, and then I'll buy them there. And I'll I will dedicate time to replaying through those games. In addition, I wanted to do a thought experiment with some older games after I had played Resident Evil Eight earlier this year because I was thinking about, like, survival horror, and I'm like, do I remember these things properly in my head? And so I wanted to replay Bioshock 1 because even though it's not necessarily a survival horror game, it's more like kind of a horror action game or it's an action game with horror elements, whatever you want to refer it to, and I wanted to replay Dead Space 1 and 2, all still in my mind, excellent games and experiences and being able to see if they they hold up. And, once again, Dead Space 1 is being remastered uh, or being remade, I guess, for you know modern consoles, and EA announced that project. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, and I've replayed Last of Us 1 when it was remastered from PS3 to PS4 and had the higher frame rate, and so I wanted to re-experience that, and that was fun. Because you can also play those games a little bit differently, and once you have the information of the old playthrough, it's, uh, it is inherently a different experience. And once again, I heard someone else on a separate podcast that I, that I listened to talk about um, how it's almost like video games are kind of like a play. And when you, once you've played through, it's almost like you're rehearsing for the real act. And then when you're playing it, once you have all the information, you know how to make things look good. You can play things more efficiently, et cetera. It's like, a, it's a different experience each playthrough. I remember having like a weird stigma, and this popped up the most during when I was playing through the Mass Effect games where I started to hate dying in the game. Not from like frustration of like, I can't clear this, although that was probably mixed in. But I was getting this weird feeling where I'm like, this isn't how the story goes. This is like throwing off my immersion. And I don't know if that was just a bunch of feelings mixed together, but that was a thought I had of like, I didn't, I wasn't, I had stopped like the suspension of disbelief was being disrupted from, like, oh, yeah, dying's just part of a game. Like, it would be with, like, any game. I was playing Celeste earlier, and death's just part of it, and you just, like, you know, you fall, you failed the platform challenge, you get re- uh, reset uh, back, and you just do the jumps, and you figure out, okay, that didn't work, let me fix my timing, et cetera, et cetera. And for some reason, it just wasn't clicking well. Um, I'm, I'm a bit past that, f- happily to say, but it's it was still a weird thing, and I look back on, like, that feeling and reflect and, and see... But with replaying, um, yeah, the single-player games, I I usually, the reason I play is I'm looking for new content. I want to experience new content. Um, and I think it's been very rare exception that I've replayed a game simply because I enjoy it. Although that's definitely got to be part of it. I'm, like, enjoying literally playing the game, whether that's the combat system, the story, etc. There's something to it. Um, and then the time investment. I think there's a strong strong correlation for me personally is how much time because like Resident Evil campaigns are meant to be roughly 10 hours on your first playthrough because you're figuring out where enemies are you're figuring out where items are you're trying to solve puzzles you're getting a little bit lost and Metroid I think has some similar elements dread is a lot less resource management intensive like you start out with 15 missiles and you quickly build up to a ton of missiles enemies are constantly dropping missiles for you to refill your ammo so that's not necessarily an issue Health wise, that could be a little tricky. The Emmys are insta-kill enemies, other than like that you get the two chances to to try and deflect them, but it's the game tells you and it is random timing, very precise reactions. Um so there, there Metroid has a lot of things in common with the survival horror game, but it's not a survival horror game because the survival aspect is not really part of it. You're not resource managing. Uh, it's it's or you're resource managing a lot less than say like a Resident Evil game. So I think that has to do it. But I had a similar feeling when I finished Dread the first time that I was like, I want to play this again. But then I'm like, you know what? No, like and some of that was I think the, like I, I've said to you at uh on the side is the controls and things and some of that stuff is weird and frustrating in a way that I'm that I'm not in, I don't want to go back to. So uh that That's why I haven't replayed Dread, but I would totally play some new content on it, even with my control gripes, because I would enjoy new content. Sorry, you were about to say something?
1: I was going to say, you, you, were, you were talking about remastered or remade games, and yeah. I, there were actually a few examples of that where I replayed. Um, probably the one I... I replayed um, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga when they remade it for the 3DS, because um, I played that back in the day on the GBA, and I loved that and it was just as much fun replaying it. Um, oh. I I guess, like, the, the Ratchet & Clank on PS4 is technically a remake of the original, but, like, it's not really the same, so it's hard to count that. And when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, I was replaying the first one on Xbox, mm-hmm. and I got most of the way through it. I think I got... I think I almost completed the segment in Mexico where you were, like, you know, helping all the people in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I think there's like one mission where you're on a train or something, and I think that's that's about as far as I got. So I was pretty close to finishing that, but then the second game came out, and I just, you know, I'm I moved on to the second game. So I think those are the only ones I can think of. Um, like I said, I'm not big on replaying games anymore. Um, you know, I always intend to like you get excited about something. I'm like, oh man, I would love to replay this. Them, then something new comes out and it just gets put on the back burner and never happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you reminded me thinking back, I'm like, okay, now I remember. I, I can't believe I didn't. This is similar to like, I, I squeaked out the Mega Man X reference. Also, Sonic the Hedgehog I was a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan, still kind of am. So, Sonic 1 uh, I replayed a bit. Sonic 2, love it. Sonic 3 replayed a whole bunch of times, especially since I had saved slots. Um, and then I've a bunch of the other sonic games then i'll usually play them and i remember with sonic unleashed i would go back a whole bunch of times and i would replay a bunch of the day levels just because that gameplay is inherently fun and trying to refine and be better at it is part of the appeal Uh, and those are shorter games like sonic adventure 1 and sonic adventure 2 but the other classic sonic games So like sonic unleashed doesn't have this but sonic 2 and sonic 3. Um, once you unlock super sonic you can play that game a completely different way because you can get be invincible, a lot of the hazards are less of a problem, you can accelerate a lot faster, it, it just feels like a different experience, and there's been newer Sonic games where they have supersonic modes to encourage that replay value, they've added it in or had it there as, as a standard feature. So that's another series I wanted to shout out, is where the ones I've bought, and those games were also inherently replayable. Sonic Rush, uh, Sonic Rush 1 specifically, I've played a whole bunch, and actually um, there's a fan game, Eve... Sonic Utopia, I'm going to try and look at my computer right now and see if I can I've still got it downloaded um, I think it's called, and it's just a demo of one level and that, and it's a test of uh, like a test thing and I just, it's awesome, I have booted it up a couple times and just played through it and I just go in, I play the stage, I run around it's just this big open thing um, it's tons of fun uh, I want to say it's Sonic Utopia, because I am try- I keep forgetting if Sonic Utopia is the name of that tech demo, or if it's the name of the actual fan site where they- you can get all the Sonic fan games. So, yeah, there's certain things where if the game is inherently fun to play, and you can experiment with the way the gameplay is, that's another way to incentivize, like, I want to go back in because I want to play with these systems, and I want to see, and there's I'm getting this visceral feeling of feedback. And I, and I think a lot of that plays into, like, multiplayer games as well, especially fighting games. Like, you feel yourself get better as a player, and there's a incentive to that, and just the feeling of playing is itself fun. And I think a lot of people have that for a bunch of different games, and that's going to factor into this conversation a lot there. Um, but let's, let's move this conversation forward a bit, and you can bring in other anecdotes related as we go, of course is a lot of people equate or use game length as a means of determining whether or not a game's price is correct or not. Now, everyone's got different budgets and different things there, and Ed, you're more, much more financially conservative than I am, and I try to be financially conservative, and I've kind of loosened up over the years as I've found other ways to get into it, but I've also changed my habits, so I'm, I'm spending my money in more satisfactory ways, I'm still spending more money, but I found ways to make sure that it's because I've found, I know how to make the most out of all my, my cash there. So to start this part of the conversation, how long, What what's your feeling on length to price? Let, let's start there. Uh, Ga- game length.
1: I guess I... I can't really say that I have a hard and fast rule cause I was perfectly happy to spend $60 on Metroid. And that, mm-hmm. I think I finished that in 10 hours, about 10 or 11 hours, I'd say. Um, so that one wasn't an issue, but I, I certainly do get kind of like a warm and fuzzy feeling when I'm like, man, I got 60 hours out of this game and I only spent $20 on it. Like it, 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 like, I like that feeling of getting value, but it's not like a deal. It's not like a deal breaker to me to, to spend, you know, for a a game and a series that I really like to be like, you know, spend full price on it. And I was, and I, I, I even do and you know, some multiplayer games, I, you know, I know we, we, we all bought Mario golf earlier this year and Mm I spent $60 on that. And I was looking at my switch. I've only played about 15 hours of it, but it's, it's, you know those kind of games even if they are not going to play them constantly are still worth just you know the time I get to spend with uh you and our other friends just right. online it's it's worth that that social interaction and like you know what what's the alternative to playing games online you, online, you go out to a bar you spend 50 dollars in a night like it's it's not like a Yeah, I don't do that much anymore, but I used used to, and that was certainly more expensive than spending $60 on a game than I'm going to play multiple nights, you know, many nights, so it's like... Right, and I think it's still important. I I don't have that limitation where I can't spend money on games, but I do like to feel like I get good value out of a game, Um, but it's very subjective.
0: Right, and I think we still need to make a separation between single-player games and multiplayer games because that, that is an important part of... There's a context, and a lot of this is going to be context and nuance in terms of that, but then kind of we're, we're going to discuss like where do we think the rules fall for each of these and, and whatnot or what it is. Because we, we clearly know how the way it works right now in the real world. Games of a certain quality and pro, of a certain level of production are... Certain price. AAA games typically come out new. It sell for sixty now seventy as we're getting into the new the the current generation. Um, and then there's smaller titles and indie titles are usually priced a, a lot less. Uh, you, you rarely see games come out that are like just fifty or you know like ten dollars below the 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 top tier. They're special editions where it's the same thing, but they charge extra, and you're either getting like the physical stuff plus some DLC or exclusive DLC, etc., and you're getting bonuses that are both non-game related in terms of like con- like in-game content. And then you go down further, and that's basically related to at what level of production was this created. Was this created as a huge game, a small game, etc.? And I, I want to break down that as we go with the conversation there. So, um, yeah, great point. With the, with the Metroid there, you spent 60. I wanted to ask, cause uh, this is kind of in, in a similar vein of like it's a game that's it's very tight, very concise, very refined. You recently beat Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. How yeah. did you get a chance to see like, what's your game clock? What's your total clock? How long did that take you?
1: I didn't look. Um, I'd have to check on, it doesn't tell you in the save. But PS5, now you could, it'll tell you how long. Probably 15 hours. I don't know. Well, probably a little longer than uh, Metroid, but I don't think much longer.
0: Okay. Now, in this specific case, you borrowed... A, a friend of yours gave you the copy of the game. But now having beat yeah. it and not having spent oh. money, but you are a huge Ratchet & Clank fan, so hopefully you will be buying a copy. But what uh, now that you've played it and you have the full experience of the game as it is so far are you willing to pay 70 Would you have been happy if you had paid the $70, the full price for that game? And play yeah, it I and think play so.
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, if I was happy with Dread, I don't see why. I, I mean, I think I'd be happier if it was 60 because it still bugs me that they're like, hey, dude, next gen, we're going to spend $10, we're going right. to charge $10 right. more. So it's like, Part of, part of the frustration for me that is like uh, seventy. I hate that games are going up in price. I don't I don't buy the argument that you know we need we need to raise the price and but but maybe you know maybe for um something like Ratchet and Clank, which is just a single player game, there's not really going to be DLC where they can make money in the back end. There's no microtransactions. Like I can see where that for that kind of came to exist in the state where it is, where there's they're not really milking you for extra dollars it 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 is a, a good value um, it's not
0: like they can't though um they could make expansion content now we talked a little bit about Metroid and i was saying i would love if they did like an extra dungeon because i just recently found out about an interview and it's a spanish interview that would that you can get translations of with mercury steam and there was, the game was originally planned to be like double the length but then they had to walk it back a bit, which makes sense over time, and I think it's better for it. But it'd be great to see if some of that, who knows how much of that was actually produced to some extent, and if that was able to come in later as DLC, and they sell, like, an extra, like, a challenge dungeon or something. That's just, like, a whole separate mode you can go in. It's a small, brand-new area with a whole bunch of things. They could reuse enemies and stuff, but I'd love, like, a new layout to explore a couple different... Zones more or more more shine start shine spark puzzles right and then it's that's the thing you you have all the power ups to start with and you have to figure out and go through and you're you're trying to do a couple objectives and just some extra new stuff to do in inside that game I would love you said you you wouldn't necessarily be as keen on that but that doesn't mean there isn't a market for it so they could do something with like Ratchet they could do new challenge maps they could even do a little story expansion because Ratchet is a little more story specific so if they wanted to they could make maybe what five to ten more hours of gameplay and make a new little story. Connect it to its se- get it ready to connect it to the se- to its next sequel, which is most likely an Yeah, I at mean
1: they've they've done that. They did um there was a a downloadable Ratchet claim on the on the um PS five PS3 called I think it was called Quest for Booty. And that one was <laughs> short. I mean I think it was like five or ten hours. So like they certainly can do a smaller story, and they have in the past. So, I mean, if they're just building it on top of the engine that they already built with all the assets and enemies, like that would make sense. So, um, wh- I would probably, I would probably go for that. Um, I, I don't think I would want like a challenge dungeon as you describe it in Metroid, but I, I, I mean, for me, I would just want another another map to explore and more bosses to fight. So I like for me, a a DLC for Metroid would be like half another Metroid game. (laughs) Right. I guess.
0: Yeah. And maybe (laughs) they'll do that.
1: Yeah. Maybe they will.
0: Maybe they'll, maybe they'll commission them and that's what they'll do in like a year. We'll get like a $30 expansion for dread and they'll just throw another like big DLC map in there for, uh, for us to play around with, which, and I mean that we're talking about a similar thing, but the only difference would be, I want it to just be all the power-ups in a fresh play area to go through and use those abilities and be able to experiment with all of them. Whereas you're, like, saying also, I would like to, like, re-unlock stuff. Like, that's part of the the thing. Although...
1: Well, I I guess I could see, like, a map where you already... But, like, then how is it a Metroid game if you can just go to every area at at the beginning? So it's like... I don't know. I, I suppose they'd have to see what they came up with. But I I would probably buy it, but yeah, I, I it would it's different than what I'm used to and Yeah.
0: But it is like a I mea- like
1: I like I like the stuff I'm used to.
0: That's kinda of, yeah, <laughs> kind of like person I am. Right. I think it'd be an interesting challenge. But think about it like with the bosses for the games. Like the bosses are themselves like the perfect kind of challenges where you go in with all the gear, especially final boss, you've got all the gear, and then you just have to figure it out. So like bosses are easy to design where it's like, okay, what which weapons and what phases does work best. For some of the puzzles, I get what you're saying. We're like, well, how do I get past this? But uh, there's like the Shine Spark puzzles are a perfect example of just because you have the power-up doesn't mean you know how to solve the puzzle. You just know mm-hmm. that this is the key that solves it, but you have to figure out how to do it to make it work. So I, I could see how they do stuff like that where you have to um, cleverly use that or defeat certain enemies or, or like clear certain obstacles. Like uh, I'll spoil one puzzle, which you probably did as well, Whereas there's, there's like the one thing... Um, in the one plant area, there's the disappearing platforms, uh, that are plants, like you step on them and then they retract and they come back after a couple seconds. And there's oh, a, yeah. there's a, uh, grapple beam block that you have to pull that you can only get from standing on one of those things. You have to figure out, well, okay, the grapple beam takes so long for you to pull a block out. And the puzzle is you have to freeze that, uh, the plant thing with, with a freeze missile to be able for it to stand. And there's nothing telling you, you could freeze those things. You just have to play around and be like, wait a second. What if I do this? And it works. And they're like, oh, and then you get the amount of time you need to pull out the block. So they could do things like
1: that. Yeah, I did that. That was fairly obvious to me, but that's because I was, you know, that, that was, that's how ice missiles worked in Fusion. That was where ice missiles weren't a new thing to Metroid in Dread.
0: Right. And I know ice missiles aren't a new thing. I the interaction of the ice missile with that object. There's nothing in the game that, like, draws you to do that, where it'd be like, you know how when you collect a new power-up in, in the in the game where it's, yeah. like, it immediately puts you in an area where it's forcing you to use it, so you figure out how it's supposed to be used? If they had done that, where, like, after I got the ice missile, it's like, you have to freeze the pedals to get out. Then, oh, I'd be like, oh, I can go like this area and do that. But it's that's not how it works. Or it doesn't tell you you can do that. It just tells you you can freeze enemies. And, of course, you're going to use the missiles on enemies because you... Want to use missiles on enemies because they it blows them up faster. So you you're going to get that. There's nothing that tells you that that's going to work on environment things other than what in the tooltip where it tells you you could blow up like those uh those spiky fire plants. So and that's that's fun that you can figure out. But that's kind of the idea I'm saying is that there's mechanics and stuff they could do. Or just like with Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's all those sorts of ways that your tools can interact with the environment. And Metro doesn't have as much of that, but they could. Do that, or create new stuff where you have to figure out how do I break through this type of block. They could just create mystery block, and that you don't know how it breaks through until you try everything. But that's a little bit it of trial be, and error. It would
1: be it would be cool uh, if like a new Metroid map had like no regular enemies in it, because if you've already gotten like the screw attack and all the upgrades, then like you're just gonna blow through them anyway. I think so. It's like yeah, what we're yeah, you saying.
0: Right, no, you're right, you're right. Sorry, we are getting super off-topic. This is turning into a Metroid Dread DLC <laughs> uh, podcast. Yeah. So let's let's get back on track. Yeah, so, yeah. either way, um, that's different. But I was also saying for like, I was going to say for Ratchet & Clank, maybe they could even do what they did for Ghost of Tsushima where they ended up launching a multiplayer mode. So they could do that. And for Ghost of Tsushima, it was a free add-on. And now they're selling it as a standalone as well for 20 bucks. I had to double-check that on my phone. So they could always do stuff like that for single-player games. There's ways to expand it, but that's not replay. That's more content. That's different. We're talking about the game. A, a game has has only its set amount of content, and it's it's about replaying it. So the length of the game, and the value there, and so that's the other thing. So we've you've played games that are less than twenty hours, and you're willing to pay full price to them. Tentatively. You'd at least pay 60 from what you've said. So what about, you know, have you played anything shorter in terms of a single player game? Have you played like an indie game that took you less than maybe 10 hours?
1: Yeah, i the one I can think of, actually, I guess it's two games are the Steam World Dig games, Steam World Dig One and Two. I think Steam World Dig One is probably like five to six hours, mm-hmm. and I think I finished Steam World Dig Two in like eight hours, maybe. And those were really short, and I loved those games. I, those were great. um Those are those are the some some of the only um, Metroidvania type games outside of Metroid that I have I have finished and. Um, you know, I, I mean, they're like Metroid games, at least the second one is where if you want to do more, you can, um, I've never been a, I've never been a completionist in, in most games. I usually get as many power-ups as I feel I need to, or feel like doing so. Um, but from what, from what I did finish in SteamWorld Dig 2, I think it took me about eight hours. So that was less than 10 hours. Um,
0: so how much do, do you remember how much you paid for it? $20,
1: Either 20 dollars i think I think, okay. I, I think i i think i paid for
0: it full price 20 dollars okay do you think do you feel like you would have paid more and been happier at paying more if they were more expensive like 30 40 50 whatever
1: maybe i would have paid 30 um but it, you know it's it's tough because part of what you're paying for in a full price game like Metroid Dread is the production value And um, right. You know, the Steamwork Games just have a much lower production value. Like the art is great. Like I like the way they look, and they're very polished mechanics wise. At least the second one is, but it's um, you know, it's definitely not a high budget game. So I think twenty dollars is a fair price for it. Yeah. One one game I haven't played, but from what people talk about, the length. Is like Hollow Knights and other Metroidvania, but apparently people will spend twenty, thirty, forty hours on that, depending on how lost they get and how many bosses they fight. Extra ones, yeah. That's a fifteen dollars game. I think that one's like underpriced. I I hope the the developer Team Cherry will charge more for the second title in that series because I, it it seems like from the value perspective that it's it's way under. They're way undervaluing their work. So um yeah but it's hard to say yeah some some games you really feel like you got a deal and on other games you don't
0: <laughs> right and that's there's a very subjective conversation happening here as well and what I was going to eventually lead to is where do we measure this and is it be, are we being fair to games and to some extent as this the mo- the whole point of the monetization series is exploring what's Fair versus what's gonna work realistically, and what what's realistic, what's unrealistic, and wh- wh- where where could be the the new ideal for a for balance for reality is um, production value and the actual or production cost is the only set solid measurement you can really put to what games should cost, and you brought that up, so that was the that was a great segue for the next point is. We can only tell, the only solid numbers you can have is, because even with the game's play length, that can vary greatly based on a person's ability to play uh, and other factors of the game that might require more time, like watching cutscenes. Like Those are things where you can tell how long a cutscene is. People can pause them, people can skip them, people can uh, not pay attention to them, but they have a set run length. So you could say on an objective base, like this game, going from here to here to here. and the, But the estimates for combat, because while you could do math for what is the most optimal move set, the damage, like the uh, developers could do you know certain calculations for things. But all of that is really, playtime is very estimated. It can't be really set down unless every single thing is timed. Like Sonic the Hedgehog, we'll use that for example. Sonic the Hedgehog's games ha- uh, stages, uh, I'm not sure about the newer games, but definitely the older ones, Sonic 1, 2, 3, there's a hard limit, and even Mario has this. There's a time limit. Uh, for Sonic, it counts up because it's tracking. You want to do it as fast as possible. With Mario, it's counting down because they want you to beat the stage. So Sonic has a hard upper limit of 10 minutes, and if you hit that 10-minute mark, you die, and you start from, restart from a checkpoint or the beginning of the level. Mario, opposite, same reaction. That counts down if you hit zero before you reach the end of the stage. Timer's gone. Uh, you you have to restart. So it's really hard to say length, and that seem, kind of makes it ridiculous. Instead, the only thing that's easy to met or that's more direct to measure is how many people worked on it, what were their salaries, what's the cost of producing the boxes and the copies uh, and paying people, the man hours, the time it took into that. All of that you could fill in and on a spreadsheet and get an exact dollar amount. Marketing costs as well things like negotiating license for music or appearances so on and so forth all things that can be put to an exact dollar value and you can measure it against how many copies you need to sell to make it back and at what price do you sell those to do that and that's a conversation that has happened before a little bit about where that breaks down did
1: you mention marketing
0: uh, i believe so yes but okay either yeah. way yes marketing costs as well go into it um I meant to say that if I didn't say that. So, yeah, all of that can go into a spreadsheet that's easy to compare and then figure out the math from there, what you'd be selling it at. The current reality is that games are sold at kind of like a certain price point. It used to be more in terms of that, and of course inflation changes, what the numbers are like, But um, and where that value is now in terms of, of the dollars and how they settle out over time. But that's the thing is a lot of people have personal stake in that and have different feelings about what should my $60, and we'll use that as the general price points as we've had it for the longest period of time, and it's been about the average. Uh, How do I feel my $60 should be spent? Some people, you know, like you, were saying, like, if I get Metroid Dread, that, like, that's my favorite series, that's the thing, I played, it It was the exact kind of experience I was looking for, for or, you know, for the most part, and... I was fine with less than fifteen hours. For other people, they're gonna go, fifteen hours, why the hell would I spend sixty bucks on that? I like I'm not picking that up for more than 40. And people quite that because they're despite the fact that they could replay that game a couple of times. So I guess that with single player specifically, still talking about single player. You know, what's the what's the thinking, Ed? Like, what should we be expecting people to play reasonably? Are we just expecting one solid playthrough, not 100%ing, maybe like a... And, and Metroid's a great example because you actually get a percentage on how many items you collected. Um, and it's still possible to not even go into some areas of the of the game, not all of them at least, not every room, um, and do stuff. So, like, let's say Metroid Dread. What would you say is reasonable for, like, a playthrough? What do you expect? Getting to the final boss, of course, because it's it's campaign but then how many items? What would you say is like, what is your guess for like the average amount of item percentage completion total? Because it also breaks it down per zone, which is pretty cool. Um, So what would you say is like your estimate?
1: I mean, I think I finished with like 70% maybe. Um, Were you hunting down items? I went went back and kind of swept through the items that I saw that that, um, were pretty easy for me to get. Like some of them were were um i just yeah i wasn't really into figuring out the shine spark puzzles this time maybe i would in a subsequent subsequent playthrough but i kind of just wanted to see the game and finish it and kind of know what what how it ended yep. um so but i but i don't know maybe i don't know if if everyone would even go back and do that much so um you know i i guess i, I guess i could and i don't know if ever anyone would replay it either so really hard for me to say what like the average person would do on that but i i think i think it's probably more reasonable to judge how much value you get on one playthrough than um you know having feeling like, feeling like you have have to replay it multiple times to really be happy with it um
0: yeah, i don't think anyone but... has to... yeah um i i would guess Probably the average is... It's under 50% items would be my guess. Somewhere between 30 and 40 is probably what an average person picks up in terms of the extra upgrades. Some of them are in your path. Um, some of them are really easy to get. Another, and then the rest are all like either secret or... Um, some of the puzzles will be hard and you need to... like A lot of the Shine Spark require understanding the environment to figure things out. Um, and then working with that. Then there's some... Some, like we just said with the leaf with the ice missile, where it's like a secret interaction, you have to kind of understand that oh, I couldn't, I can interact with this object this way with this item. Um, so that's
1: the the shine spark was like that because even the mechanics of how the speed booster is preserved are not obvious,
0: yeah, exactly. Or like you can go into ball form, you can actually go into you can aim in diagonal directions when you're executing the spark. Uh, so yeah there's that I also saw you can use it to like one shot a couple bosses if you can mm-hmm. go in i was like, like what yeah yeah oh, well I'm... yeah um yeah um, yeah or mini bosses i should say but yeah either way so yeah i, I would say that's a rough estimate is one playthrough in that and that's what you'd expect someone to do or i'd say that's the safe assumption for what are we expecting someone to do when they spend 60 dollars with this game it is probably one full playthrough all the bosses, you know, all the bosses see the ending, see the credits, and collect roughly forty percent of the items uh, of the extras. Because along the way, they'll see some stuff. There's, we know, there's enough easy stuff. Some stuff's in your path, etc. So that and that's a very different ex, expli, uh, expectation for a bunch of different games. But there's people who will spend the money, and they might not even beat it. And that's another thing that's like changed over time, especially thanks to achievements uh, being in there and, and trophy data, we can tell how many more people are playing through what because all those flags are being tripped in the game and they can now collect that that data. Now, some of it I'm sure they were able to collect before, but now with the online, all of that data gets collected. They know exactly what you're doing. I was even playing Tale of the and I had to agree to my data getting collected. I didn't have to agree, but uh, agree to data getting collected. And I completely think that's fine because I, I, I haven't seen things get a lot, Worse for for wear from from that data, um, but it, it's definitely interesting that they can see that. And I'm really curious. I would love to see what kind of telemetry data they are looking at to understand how players are playing, and then how are they shaping games. And some some of that can be good. Some of that's bad. Like you know they're trying to social engineer players to spend more money and stuff. But hopefully they're also using it to figure out like what's fun and what's not. Um, and yeah, I was gonna mention. For back to the previous point, we were we were talking about the value of, like, indie games and things like that. Like, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, it was I think $40, and their goal was to produce an indie game at what is perceived as, like, a triple A level of production value at that time. And it was impressive. I would say that for that game, um, Forty dollars was a, a good value. They definitely could have charged sixty for that. I feel like if they were charging sixty for it, maybe fewer people would have bought it because it is a shorter game. And the, but that's that has nothing to do with quality. Uh, that's just a perception thing. But I feel like they could have gotten away with selling that as like a AAA. And I mean now, you know, Microsoft bought that studio and they're making Hellblade two. So that's gonna be. We'll see what that looks like with more money and how big that game is same time we uh our perception is very warped is that games are were a lot shorter back then charged way more for that by comparison and that's because they were smaller games they were designed to also be harder to keep you playing longer and so that way you'd do that plus maybe you could even say they were built to be more replayable i'm not sure about that but i think that also has to do with them them being shorter games feels like they're meant to be more replayable, but by that point, if you're making a smaller game that you can uh, beat pretty quick, there should be more incentive to replay, such as new content or challenges or things like that. Also, I think it's fun to mention, back in the day, cheat codes. Once you had like cheat codes and stuff, it was kind of fun to replay games and experiment with all the different cheat codes and go through the game and see what you could do with that. I don't know how much you experimented with cheat codes back in the day, or, or was that... Was, I never
1: I don't think I ever had like an action replay device or yeah. a Game Shark, but if a game had like built in cheat codes, I mean I always I would look those up online and try some of them out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely played around with a bunch of those and then Game Genie, Game Shark, Action Replay, etc. I, I experimented with that stuff too and I had a lot of fun. Probably kept me playing a bunch of games a lot more than I would in some regards.
1: you um, can't do that on console anymore.
0: Not you anymore. on PC,
1: you can't on PC. What is it called is not the like a cheat engine or some modding there's a, there's modding in general it, it, yeah yeah but all but sorts think, of ways
0: th- yeah cheat engine to to your point yes cheat engine is an application you can get for different games you have that has to be it has to be able to hook into the games it doesn't work guaranteed mm-hmm. with everything um, okay but modding in general allows usually players to figure out ways to mess around with their save uh, mess around with the games there's save file editing sometimes that works. So on and so forth. So yeah, like on PC you can do a lot more of, of that kind of cheating stuff and sometimes that's really useful. Just like I was doing with uh, with like Borderlands 2 and 3, or I didn't do it on 3. I could have done it on 3. Um, my cousin actually used a cheat engine thing because he had played a bunch already on console and then switched over to PC and he just didn't want to replay which I completely understand. And so like being able to, and since, borderlands games don't let you just max up you have to play as each character in order to max them out you can't just like carry over that progress like a new game plus style so i understand we're like saving time you just want to cheat for that and i don't think that's there's anything wrong with that because you just want to have the different characters to play through you already and there's no different content so just playing through it again with the other characters it's it's not as much value especially for someone who's experienced with gaming someone who hasn't done as much gaming doesn't know all the rules and stuff like that Maybe there's more to get because they're learning more literacy from the game design, but for someone who already knows, like, well, yeah, I can quickly suss out how all these different powers would work, or I can experiment with. I, I don't need to experiment with everything. I only need a few things I want to play with. I could see how you want to save yourself some time, and that's that's the other battle here is people only want to spend so much time with the things that they consider as the good content and less with the bad content. That's another thing where people's value is so nuanced is what do they find is good content versus bad content and what, what are they, what do they like spending their money? On? And sometimes a little sliver of good content is enough to make up for a huge amount of dollar value. I'm sorry. I hit my mic. Um, uh, for, for the price and stuff like that. And that's yeah. Like uh, what, what is it? Tales of rise. I ended up spending over a hundred hours in that game. Cause I absolutely love it. I paid, uh, it, it was gifted to me, but I would have totally paid full price. I'm super excited for that. Um, I'm not going to buy their silly Sword Art Online DLC, but if they put out something, I'm also not going to buy like their weird costume DLC. I'm like, no. You don't want but, the swimsuits? No, I do not want the swimsuits. I can unlock the <laughs> weapons, and it's hilarious. I'm going to spoil it, because uh, you can preview all this stuff in the DLC menu, which is great. that You can actually preview the costumes, what they look like of the character, rotate the oh, character. Oh, really? Model. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. You, can, you can see the costumes before you buy them? Yep. That's so cool. And I think
0: the weapons, too. But either way, you can earn the weapons for free in the game. They're just in there. Uh, uh, you eventually unlock them or you claim uh, I forget exactly how it worked, because it wasn't there immediately. It was added later. And maybe it's because of the level requirements for the quest. So I think that's it. I think they were in the game and then they just unlock those parts because it's part of a separate like battle mode. You can not separate, it's an in-game area that's a, a mini-game type thing where you just go into the battle arena and you do like battle challenges. But like the the one the one character uh Shion her special summer-themed swimsuit weapon is a super soaker that's, like, the size of her full rifle. And, it's, and to me, that's hilarious. And so, luckily, I was able to unlock—there's there's the initial version, and the second version's the same thing, but a different color scheme. So I unlocked the initial one, and since the system has a weapon skin system, so you can just put the skin on over whatever the stats are for your primary— and I was able to play with that, and I just thought it was hilarious because it lo- it looked so good. It was it just made me laugh, and I just loved having it there. So there's things like that where that, that stuff's pretty cool. I appreciate them them doing that. Uh, I wish there was just a way I could unlock it in the game, but uh, especially since they already, you know, it's, it's pre-content. They made it as content to monetize. It's out at the game's time. Like, I'm not going to do that. You didn't take extra time to make this. You made it during the same production thing, and you're selling it as se- separate. So fluff off. Uh Bandai Namco with with your <laughs> with your BS there. Sword Art online thing, I'm just not that interested in. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe later if they do like a content pass or something, I'll get that. And it's a licensing deal, so I just like whatever.
1: Um didn't they have like XP boosters too in Tales of Verizon
0: So yes, they actually started selling like EXP boosters and in-game like item packs with Tales of Vesperia, which was the Xbox three sixty. No. Yes? It's either Xbox 360 or Xbox One, I forget. But that like Tails game, and people were like, what it why is this coming to Xbox? And it's and it was just when Microsoft was trying to get more Japanese games on its systems. Either way, uh, they started doing it there, and people were like, what are you doing? And I I'm very well with a single player game, monetizing like that is really weird. Uh, have to bring up WB games with um I say Lord of Shadow, that's not the game. Uh, is it Shadow of Mordor? Shadow or of Mordor, shadow, yes. shadow of War? Shadow of War, the se- the sequel, specifically, where they had these in-game loot boxes, which was worse. There's one thing where it's like you know exactly what you're getting. The other one's when it's like, well, you can kind of earn these, but you can also pay for more unlocks or better unlocks. And I'm like, why are you doing this? It's so stupid. Uh, So for this, I guess... I would have said, if, if it would have been like a more traditional RPG where one difficulty setting and you can just grind up and this is like, and you or buy items and things like that um, and and consume it, I would say that's way scummier. But Tales of Arise has the quality of life features with multiple difficulty settings. And I, you can change them at any time. It doesn't affect the story. It doesn't affect anything. The, uh, the only thing it changes... In terms of like reward for time, is you get less combat points, which fill out your uh, your separate skill tree, and it's not even that much of a difference, especially since you can go out and grind it, and you get more than enough skills uh, throughout that game to do stuff. And if you enjoy that game, it's a thrill to go into the combat. Anyways, so you're just gonna go in, you're gonna do stuff, and the game rewards you even more points for do for playing better, which you get better naturally as you play and go back to easier areas you can beat boss enemies real fast not not bosses i don't know if there's a way to replay bosses yet in the game um, i haven't seen a feature like that but like fighting normal enemies and things like that you can other than the new game plus so yes there, there's that way you can do it but i don't know if you can do that but I, I never really had an issue with that you get those points from side quests you can get extra combat points from uh, the cooking recipes that you also get. there's a, there's an in-game system that like the more fights you chain together, you can get bigger and bigger bonuses. So there's ways that mitigate that. Um, and you can change, like I said, you can change the difficulty setting at any time. So if you're lowering the difficulty setting anyways to get through it, it's not necessarily a big deal. Um, so for me, I thought it was fair, and I don't think those transactions should exist, but I feel like the game has enough features in it where, If you're starting to feel that pinch, you can just change the setting down, and it really doesn't change that much. If anything, the difficulty spikes feel wonky, and at the end of the game, I switched it from the normal difficulty to the story difficulty. So I actually started out on the harder mode earlier, then I slowly moved down because the bosses were like these huge spikes, and then... At the end, I'm just like, I felt like I should be powerful enough to take these guys on, but I'm still, like, getting my my butt handed to me. And this is something that happens in RPGs, where there's, like, these weird difficulty spikes. And it's the reason why I didn't beat Final Fantasy IV, uh, the DS remake, which wasn't, you know, had no monetization to it as far as I, I, I remember. And the last dungeon, like, I'm level 80 fighting these enemies, and they are kicking my butt, dealing tons of damage, I'm burning through my items, and I keep trying to, like, well, I'm trying to save it, because once I get to the boss, which will have multiple phases, probably a random one-hit kill move in there somewhere, that could both wipe out party members, or team wipe. I'm like, I don't want to l- use up all my stuff, and I don't know how long these dungeons are. I wasn't using a guide, I was just playing. And I was trying to use the save points, you don't know how many save points or checkpoints are in that as well, because it's still a JRPG i don't know
1: how it's like in the old final fantasy games i haven't played any of those the old ones
0: they're they're bad
1: I, th- I think i think i played like one and two on um gba the remake of one and two yeah. but i don't remember them much so I, and when i say, say
0: yeah when i say bad listeners i'm not saying those games are bad i'm saying that like final stretch is a drudge it is just it, it's not fun it, it's, yeah because you could do that and like, I don't really want to just grind up because enemies are just doing an insane amount of damage per hit. They're not missing that much. you you know, your team can get easily wiped. You're reviving and if you're trying to be conservative or whatnot. And you also older games, they don't have checkpoints, you know. So if you die, you're starting back from wherever that last save point was. And that could be the entire dungeon. That could be midway through a dungeon, whatever. And then also with the boss fights like rarely in the old versions like the super nintendo and whatnot the the ds version i think was a little bit better but you don't know what that's be, if be you like. say
1: and sometimes you save like halfway through the dungeon and there's no way to get back to the beginning if you're like right. oh man i i cannot do this you you just gotta trek back and hope you have enough right. items to get to safety and yeah. yeah you could be like soft locked there yeah yep.
0: and then tail and tales of rise once again like just time and uh, refinement and quality of life. Like, you can fast travel out at any point in time. You don't need to be at a fast travel point. You can fast travel to any fast travel point from as long as it's not a cutscene or in the middle of a fight. If you're in the middle and you're like, oh, this is the point of no return, it tells you, which the game does, several times. There's a couple of points of no return, story-wise. But there's only one true one for the final boss. But you can just go back, then there's more side quests, you can get more weapons and gear, you can go refill your items, you can Cook food, so you get one of the buffs going in, and that game wants you to cook. Every as soon as the food gauge runs out for whatever your buff is, a character will always chime in and go, "Man, I'm hungry." And it's like, I'm like, <laughs> I get it. But, and then it will like remind you. I think like every two minutes or something. Like it, there's like a timer, so it reminds like, "Oh man, we should get some food." Oh yeah, we should get some food. Like, the game wants you to cook. Wants you to constantly be cooking.
1: So you're and saying like I, these these factors make you more likely to replay a game. I'm I'm not. Not oh, yeah, quite sure. right.
0: I'm not quite sure where you were going with regards to replay value. Right. Uh, sorry, I was trying to tie that all into how much time a game takes and very wildly based on the experience of that game. And some people would say that was good content. Some people would say that's bad content. And so it's hard to say what's going to be worth the dollar value and where people are going to be happy. Um, and it... I'll use the example. Bring up the example again. Like I played Celeste. I forget exactly what my time on the clock was. I played that on uh, through Game Pass, and then I went and bought the Steam copy. Uh, at once I beat it because it, it was a pretty short game. I think it, maybe like maybe five or six hours total. I, I'll have to double check. Um, but great game. Uh, I think I paid twenty bucks on Steam. I don't think it was on sale or anything, which is fine. And uh, would I've paid more for that game? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think production value... Uh, there's also perceived production value, because you could even make a pixel art game and and make a huge one. Uh, Hollow Knight, that's a game that's what we keep bringing up. I don't think either of us have actually played it, but that's a game that kept being produced over time, that kept adding content. It was already a huge game. It got huger, and there's just more to it, and the time it takes for that... Uh, I don't even know how big the team is and stuff like that, but there's things like that where over time, that game is definitely in its complete version worth $60, despite it being 2D. And people also have those weird hang-ups about what the visual style of the game is. And indeed, there are certain ways that a game can be produced that make it take more or less time for it to do that uh, based on whether it's 2D, 3D, art style choices, etc. And Uh, whether there's motion capture and and animation and things like that. So all that can vary wildly. And what people actually perceive as value and what, like, oh, was that expensive? Like, I I don't know if you share this with me, Ed, but, like, uh, glossy finishes, like, that's supposed to be, like, the whole makes things look premium when they're shiny. But it actually, like, because they get so smudged, like, Shiny can get so smudged up and blemished easier than matte finish, that matte finish is actually, like, way more preferable than, than Shiny in most contexts. But people think Shiny means premium. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I always prefer, like, a matte finish on my right. electronics. Like some, like, some of those are those consoles from, like... What what gen was we and like the we and the PS3 that that like glossy yep. black yep. you know it smudges it scratches it yep. that, that's all yeah I I get yeah I it, there is a perceived value there but it, in, pra, in practicality it's frustrating
0: yeah so that that's another thing where and, and then the companies are willing to do that because they have to do these things to make a perceived value instead of just actual value. And that's where some stuff gets messed up as well. So tying it back to like time and cost here. Um, so like what for six? Let's say sixty dollars, or we're getting to seventy. So that's being forced on us. It's what,
1: gonna be seventy. I'm everyone's gonna charge seventy. The floodgates are open.
0: Not on PC. Uh, what well, do you think? Yeah. For a seventy-dollar game, what are you expecting? You've clearly said there's some stuff that you're happy with current. So what do you feel like you need to get out of a $70 game in order for it to be uh, worth your money?
1: Um, I, think the vis- I think the visuals really need to impress for a $70 game. I mean, I, ex- I expect it to be either technically impressive or have a really nice art style or, yeah. you know, hopefully a combination of both. Um, no, I don't need something to be like super hyper realistic, but, um, you know, that that's, that's one thing where, you know, it's, it's hard for, I think it's hard in this, like, like you mentioned with some indie games, I I think it's reflected in the price that most people value the, the, you know, the technical aspect of a game because it's much easier to justify a higher price when you can really see that like a lot of time and effort and you know therefore money went into developing the visuals of a game um Um, i I would go ahead
0: yeah i was gonna say trying to focus it more to the 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 topic specifically about replay and like length currently because that's kind of the thing so like like we said we don't really replay games too much except with rare exception for specific types of games so where where does that replay back how much do you think replay factors into the cost do you think it should factor in more should like ratchet and clank have been maybe like five hours shorter for a tighter experience and you you're expected to play through the challenge mode you're expected to play through it at least two times do you think that would be like a fair metric to put on people should we expect be expecting people to play games more or is that a, a, a game uh more times single player specifically we haven't really touched on multiplayer yet um then i i think or-
1: a uh a single player game should offer a satisfying experience in a single in, play one, pl- in one in one playthrough. Yes. Um I don't I, I I think if you and this like you know it's different for everybody, but I I I don't I wouldn't want to finish a game and feel like I I wasn't happy with it once I hit the credits. Um I, f- and I I I feel like replaying it is just kind of a bonus um for me at least.
0: What do you think about, like, so if you're building a game for replay value, you know, what, what, we've touched a little bit on it, but like, if a game is going to include multiple difficulty settings, let's say that's the only thing, you have easy, normal, hard, should a player be expected to play through on each of those difficulties, or should it be that still, it doesn't matter, you pick one, and we're just expecting you to go through the entire game on one of the difficulties? That... Does that factor into what you're saying about like one playthrough?
1: uh I mean, some games you you unlock higher difficulties as you complete the lower ones, so that mm-hmm. that can be a way to have people um you know replay the game and I, don't wh- know, I I don't want to say it's expected because it isn't for me, but no, but I, maybe it yeah. is for some people.
0: Well, I'm saying from a developer perspective, or even a publisher perspective, because they have a financial investment in it. If a game's being developed to be replayable, like, let's say that's their thing. Like, they're going, um, we're going to take a game, let's say, we'll say Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, because it's pretty straightforward a game, and it's got difficulty settings, right? Yeah, a okay. lot of them.
1: And a lot of, like, accessibility settings, too, so you can pretty much tune it to your liking.
0: Nice which uh, those can probably apply to all the different difficulty settings. So let's just focus on the difficulty setting because that's like the thing that's the most controllable by the developers. So let's say they're like, well, we're we're building Ratchet & Clank. We're expecting people to... Like, we want this to be replayable. And our feature is that there's going to be the three different difficulties. Is that in and of itself, like, is that fair for the developers to go in expecting people to replay a single-player game? Or do you think that... Developers shouldn't be like. Where do you think that falls in in terms of your perception as a consumer? Like, do you want that expectation being built in from a developer, or should developers just kind of assume one? Uh, like, I'm, you're only going to play it once, no matter what they've put in as features.
1: I think I don't think they should be expecting that the majority of people are going to replay a game because I don't I don't think people will but i I think it's a good idea to put things that would appeal to to the type of person that would replay a game and usually like to me that means something that changes the experience in a subsequent playthrough either like a difficulty or maybe there's a new game plus where you get some benefits that you know or, or both you know it's nice to have a higher difficulty and if you're playing on a new game plus you get a few things that Give you an advantage on that higher difficulty so um i i just don't, i don't think it should be i don't think you should be expected to um have to replay a game to to feel like you got a complete experience um but i i i, I don't know if i play the kind of games where that is the case like i know you like um you like uh like hack and slash like character action games like Bayonetta right Mm -hmm. and I I understand that you know they give you a score there's multiple difficulties like there's a lot of ways to challenge yourself and gain mastery at those games Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't generally play those types of games
0: yeah and that's the other thing like even though I like that game um, Bayonetta 1 for to be specific like I played through it I think I went back and maybe unlocked a couple extra weapons but I didn't unlock all of them I didn't redo all the challenges I didn't replay a ton of areas in order to like get a better score or anything I kind of played through I enjoyed the story I had a good time with the one thing but I wasn't really compelled to go back through um and I think for personal taste it's more like I there wasn't really much new to see and just going back through with different weapons wasn't as satisfying as I as it should be to compel me to do so, I guess. And I'm not saying the game's bad by any means or that that makes the game poor. I'm saying it's just a, it's just a style and that's where my personal taste lies because I think it's still an excellent game and I recommend it to just about anyone who's interested in trying that type of game at one of like the pinnacles of the design. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you that it's so difficult to say because you certainly should put stuff in to encourage people to play in different ways because people play in different ways. I don't know what's, like, the optimal way to encourage people to play through. I know for me, the optimal way is if I play through again and there's new content for me to experience. And, but it's largely the same. Or it's, like, I think the Borderlands thing is my best example for, like, how I'd want other single-player games to be. It's, like, you've got a main campaign and you get, like, some side quests in the main game and then when you do new game plus you get new side quests you can play or maybe there's like a new story element or like an alternate ending and that would be a way to get me to play a game a second time. Right now I'm playing the New Guardians of the Galaxy game. I'm loving that game and it's been super great. Um there's a bunch of dialogue choices you can make and but to my understanding there isn't like an alternate ending, it's just one ending, but then you can get some slightly different to incredibly different scenes based on what your dialogue choices are. And you can also just get new dialogue lines. So if you like these characters, there's stuff. And there's also secrets and stuff that you can find for like uh, alternate costumes. And one of the other things that's like a bonus to it is these characters talk all the time, which is both, which is great. Cause I love the characters are, in, in my opinion, the characters are fantastic. The other part is it's easy to miss stuff. And I don't know how many dialogue lines. Because sometimes if you're just sitting in an area not making progress, they keep talking to each other. But there's like there's a few seconds in between everything. So there's almost an incentive to also go back through. Because there's the stuff you can control, like when you can make dialogue choices. But if you just sit around long enough, there's probably other dialogue those characters are going to say that you may never hear if you're not playing through again. And I don't know if it's like random, if it's set, certain triggers, etc. There's all these things I, I don't know. Um, but also when you're going through and if you are looking for secrets as sort of like a weird meta joke, the characters, you, you only play a Star-Lord, the other characters make comments when you go off the path to go to the secret like side paths and be like, what are you doing? Or they'll be like, what? They'll talk th- to each other and be like, what the heck is he doing? Uh, you know, one of them might make an excuse like, well, I guess he's trying to scout off or one of them is, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't flarkin know what he's doing. Um, and, and it's great. Like, and then you come back or like, I just recently did a little side quest where I went around, heard them talk, uh, uh, heard them trash talk me about going off the beaten path. Like, where are you going? Are you sure that's the right way? You literally, <laughs> I completed the puzzle and there was like some poison gas I had to get rid of. And the character was like, you literally chose <laughs> a room filled with poisonous gas over go- going, forward and i was like that's funny and also when i went around because the game has great game design and it loops back around one of the other characters was there it was just waving like hi welcome back and i was just like (laughs) like that is all content that i appreciate them doing because it just matches that but also i enjoy that kind of thing like the game is recognizing i'm doing something and it's just not like ignoring it like a normal video game would where it's like okay you You did the thing, like of course you're gonna do these extra things that are, are completely optional. But if you do the optional thing, the game also recognizes that you're doing it not just in like a resource perspective or like an unlockable, it's also like in universe. And I really appreciate when the when they when a game takes that extra step to make things feel more connected in universe. So that could be considered content. And that's another reason to replay. And when you miss, it's like what are you going to get? What adds extra context? Does it change the story at all? I prefer things to be more impactful. I don't think when I hit the end of that game, I'm gonna to want to replay it. But maybe I maybe I will. Maybe by the end there might be something that'll that'll make me go, you know what? I feel like I should replay this a second time and just make all the opposite choices and see what happens. Um but I know for a fact I would be more incentivized and I'd know going in that like I'm gonna do two playthroughs if the uh, if I knew it, was, it could be significantly different stuff that I would see and find to do. Um,
1: yeah, I I want the play th- the second playthrough of a game to have either different gameplay or different story elements. That you know, like I think I, I said earlier, I mentioned Fire Emblem Three Houses, and if it were the case that maybe only like the first five chapters were the same, and there was really a divergence. I think I would be a lot more willing to replay it than if, uh, you know, half the game is pretty similar. Um, So I, but then again, but I, I I guess that's hard to call it a replay though, if it's going to be that different. So it's, it really is like a fine line of, is it a completely new segment of the game or is it replaying the game? Um,
0: Yeah. Depends on if I, if I enjoy playing the game, I definitely feel like then the new stuff and new paths and new challenges will make, Incentivized because it's just along the way. So I'm like, oh yeah, and I'll just play around with this other stuff or do things completely differently in terms of the, the gameplay, like use different weapons, use different skills and try things, etc. So I wanted to get, I think this is the right time to bring in multiplayer and talk about that because what I wanted to also point out again and I feel is like more likely to replay games where the main campaign is actually shorter. I know it sounds weird but I feel like I don't know if it's a craving for getting more value out of it as much as I think it's like I didn't get my fill, whereas it's one of those things where like I'm playing Tails and I hit the post game and I just want more. And that's a great feeling. That's a great thing to want more. And I feel like if I, uh, because of the way Tails was paced, actually, I, I felt like I got a couple of that, but it just kept going and eventually I could like loop back around to almost like I want it to be over, but then I want more, but I also don't want it to end. And that's That's kind of a great place to be. So I think with multiplayer games, they kind of nail that, like there's that balance. And I think Resident Evil games and those shorter style games, and Metroid almost did it. Metroid almost hit that sweet spot. I'm not sure what to say about the length. I think that has more to do with the way it felt to play it so much, uh, rather than um, the actual length of the game. Is the
1: Yeah, length- I'm su- I'm su- I guess it's just, I'm surprised you had issues with it, because I... I think the general consensus is it plays really well. I just thought it it was interesting, your comments about it, but we can talk about that another day.
0: (laughs) It does play really well. It's just got some really specific things that that could be smoothed out in a patch. Super easy to patch. A, remappable buttons, period. B, you don't need to be holding down two buttons to do other attacks. There's nothing else that adds into that game that makes it, uh, that requires them to be doing that. Um but you're right let's let's keep moving on because we did sidetrack a lot already um but yeah that's the we'll probably do an episode about controls <laughs> i think it will, <laughs> that might be a topic that'll that'll be added to the list uh in the near future so uh the length the length of it and with multiplayer games typically the length of sessions is pretty short especially by comparison to full games like for for Smash Bros like a normal session is around like what 5 minutes. Mario Kart a race is probably around like 5 to 5 minutes at most. Um depending how many like laps and stuff you do and that's for a race not and then you do like a series of races. Like golf we we with Mario Golf Super Rush we usually spend is it if we take an hour. I would say an hour. If we take turns isn't it an hour for like nine holes. For nine holes. And that's My, Mike, the time. Our, our friend Mike
1: and I. We played uh, we played Mario Party Superstars last night, mm-hmm. and that one said for like 15 turns, it's 45 minutes. But I think we spent longer than an hour for a 15 turn right. game
0: with four with four players. Yeah, 45 minutes sounds like if you did everything exactly perfect and ended all mini games as fast as you could. Yeah, um, skip and, through like all the and,
1: yeah, and and you weren't like putzing around the you know deciding what move to make. There were a couple of times where I was looking at the map because, you know, I, I it's a new game to me. I yeah. didn't know the mechanics, so. But, it, yeah, it depends on how familiar you are with the mechanics, too.
0: Yeah, true. And then there's a couple different boards and stuff. But those are games. Multiplayer games are designed to be replayable. So they're designed with a loop, a very tight loop of you're going to do the session. It's going to be so long. And then there's games like Dota and League of Legends, which they're free to play, so that's another element. But I'll I want to touch on that a little bit later too is um they uh or actually we're running out of time so um those tight loops of multiplayer you know how do you feel multiplayer games should be priced and you know when they're purely meant to be multiplayer i know you don't play a lot of multiplayer games ed but from the few you have like you said mario mario kart so let's
1: let's play i play with play with you and our other friends and i i play with another friend that i have when i go over to his house we play so i i I don't say i don't play a lot of multiplayer games but more spent more time is spent on single player for sure
0: sorry let Um, me let me refine that and you can well so why don't you describe in your own words then how many multiplayer games you play and typically how often you play multiplayer games um i'm
1: trying to I probably have on rotation maybe five or six multiplayer games at a given time. And usually I'm more commonly playing two or three of those. Um, and maybe one, maybe an hour or two every week with depends on, you know, how much time we all have. Right. But it's it's probably a, uh, maybe like 20% of the time I spend as a multiplayer games or less of my time gaming.
0: Okay. And I'd say like... I. When, the way you say, like, you probably got five or six in rotation. I've definitely played a ton over time. And I've mentioned some ones that are both versus and co-op because I've mentioned, like, Borderlands. But then I play a bunch of fighting games. Um, Sm- there's, there's Smash Brothers, uh, Need for Speed. I've played other racing games. i um, played some Gears. I've played Left 4 Dead. I've played uh, Red Faction. I've played Battlefield. I've played... Uh, Whole bunch. Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. I played a ton of. um, Tried a whole bunch of new things. Rocket League. I'm a big fan of. um, And then a whole bunch of other like multiplayer games and co-ops and things like that. So, uh, by volume, maybe I've got you a little bit beat. I'm not sure, but I'm just speaking in general about our tastes. Yeah. That's not to say that your opinion isn't doesn't change the belt. I mostly mostly
1: play multiplayer games on Switch. Nintendo multiplayer games is right. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. I'm just adding context to our conversation here. So, um, yeah, with multiplayer, those are designed to be replayable. So, for like, I don't, I don't know what what's what's currently, like, what would you say is your the the multiplayer game you've had the most fun with in recent memory?
1: Probably Super Smash Bros. we play that a lot and you know i don't love the game like you do but it's it's fun it's fun to see all the different characters and you know i like that even if i i don't want to necessarily play a match every time i i can sit and spectate and chat and yeah you know it's it's just it's just a fun game to watch and it's fun to play um you know i i i do like some of the mario golf and and um you know, and, and I like Mario Kart and Mario Party was fun when I played it last night. But a lot of the thing about Smash is I, I feel like you don't get screwed in it like you do <laughs> some of the other the really all the really casual Nintendo multiplayer games have a lot of random elements to kind of even the even the the you know the the yeah. playing field. Um but in Smash I, I usually feel like it's it's up to me. Um and I, I usually don't play first when we play, but I do I do feel like I, I, I have a pretty good chance sometimes. And I don't feel You know, we don't usually play with items. I guess if you played with items or stage hazards on, it gets to be really hectic.
0: Mike, but... agent of <laughs> chaos.
1: Yeah, he loves it. Uh, I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's
0: because Smash Brothers let you turn off as a ton of random BS. The other Nintendo yeah. games don't. Well, we... we we have the option in Mario Kart to turn off items. We just well, never you don't did have, it.
1: you don't have the granularity of options that you no. do in Smash. No, which like you can't turn off individual items. No,
0: uh, that that's and it's interesting that's not in custom options. Uh, that they haven't copied that yet. But hey, there's a, always going to be another Mario Kart, uh, or at least, or you know, to break Mike's little heart. No, there's not. There's not, never going to be another Mario Kart. Uh, by the time that, not, I'm just joking. I just like to tease him. Because um, he's been begging for a new Mario Kart ever since they announced Mario Kart. No, uh he's...
1: we got we got Mario Kart yeah. Tour and we got Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. What more right. can anyone want? I know. On I don't
0: get it. I can't believe he's not happy. I'm, yeah, <laughs> that's nine and this nine and ten right there. There you go. Yeah, the next one's gonna be eleven. It's gonna be great. <laughs> um, so that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they they number that and count like the mobile game at least is like Mario Kart uh, nine. Yeah, and then Mario Kart ten because then it'd be Mario Kart uh, X which looks cool on a box you know yeah <laughs> you, got, you got MKX there you go and then Mortal Kombat crossover there anyways so uh, but for this line of questioning I just want to check Ed um, would you say you're more emotionally invested than with Smash Brothers compared to Mario Kart because I know you you love Mario Kart but that's that's my frame of reference for your multiplayer taste so which one are you more emotionally invested in currently
1: If if you asked me last year, I would have said Mario Kart because we had a whole group of friends. we were yeah. all playing, and it was really competitive <laughs> and fun. But then everyone, including me, kind of got tired of the same courses and the same... Yeah. You know, it just got very samey. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, these days I think I liked Smash a little more. I, I, it was always kind of fun to see the new characters. So I was very invested every time they did a character reveal because I was hoping it was something I was someone I was interested yeah. in. Yeah. But that, that's over now. So I feel like I might start to have my interest waning as, uh, you know, we, and and to be honest there's only like 5 or 10 characters that i really enjoy playing as mm-hmm. so you know sometimes when we play i might play two matches with each character and then i've i'm i'm kind of tired of it because i i do like the variety but there's not that many characters that i like to play as so yeah
0: and um, we can always do fun themes but we can't we don't have access to all of the fun uh extra modes that are in the local modes of smash bros where we could you know mess around with some things but we try we try to mix it up to have some fun um but yeah okay i just wanted to check that before i ask the next question so and this this makes it a bit uh i think a little bit uh (laughs) biased because ultimate is such a huge game already so with ultimate like uh not counting the dlc characters what do you think like if you remember back when the game first launched did you feel like that was $60 $60 worth in that game. Whole I price. was, was kind game-
1: of on the edge of not getting it. Mike convinced me to, because mm. I I didn't remember enjoying previous Smash Bros. The only yeah. other one I had played was Brawl on the Wii when oh, I yeah. was in college. Okay. Yeah. And I I just remember being really frustrated in that, because I was brand new to Smash at the time. And, uh, you know, all my friends who were playing it were kind of veterans. So I just never felt like I had any chance. And we always played with uh, stock. And I just was always the first one out really quickly. So it wasn't really much fun to me. Um, I don't know what it is about Ultimate, but I feel like I'm a little more competent than I was back then. You know, maybe part of it is, like, it's easier to control on the the Switch Pro Controller than it was Mm -hmm. with the limited button options on uh, the Wiimote and Nunchuck. (laughs)
0: um you didn't have a gamecube controller or one I, of the uh, nintendo some, or the wii like a, classic we, controller
1: no uh, i we didn't have that many of them so i don't know if i always had the option to play with that so
0: gotcha 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 gotcha
1: but uh, i don't know i so i wasn't even sure i wanted smash when i first bought it and then i bought it and i was like i have to unlock 70 characters and yeah, you know, I I wish they were yeah. all unlocked from the beginning because okay. I didn't want to go through and play all the. I just wanted to play this multiplayer. Yeah, so I, let's you know.
0: Yeah, so let's kind of break yeah. that down because because there's that like content there, but there's a lot of single player content in there, as well as it being generically a multiplayer game or generally a multiplayer game. Excuse me. So like, there's the adventure mode that's meant to be like a single player solo campaign thing. How how much of that have you played?
1: I think I played like a hour or two at most when i was unlocking the characters and then i found an article online that said hey just make a single match and fight it and then restart the game to like trigger the new character so i just i just cheesed my way through all the character unlocks. so
0: you only played that mode as a means to unlock the characters you didn't play it for its own merit
1: exactly yeah right. it's only, it's it's strictly a multiplayer game for me
0: gotcha what about the classic modes because the in that in ultimate they did the really cool thing in my opinion is that each character's track is unique to them with like specific gimmicks enemies bosses etc which i think is neat i still think they should have had one generic one maybe there's one tucked in there that i don't know about but um that uh what, what do you think about that did you mess around with that at all
1: that's what i was doing at first to unlock the characters um And I played a little bit of that, but it wasn't that much fun for me. I mean, I like, I like playing with other people.
0: Okay. So, I mean, with your, in general, what I was leading up to is what do you feel like smash brothers should have been like these, you feel it should have been like less expensive or more expensive based on how much you're expected to play for that game and what's in there.
1: Um, I think it was fine. For, I think it's pretty good value for the price. I mean, I've I've played a lot of it. I've played dozens of hours of it at this point, so it's hard to say I didn't get my money's
0: worth. But did you um, go into it expecting that you didn't, right?
1: I don't even know if I remember thinking about it that much. I figured I would play it multiplayer, and if I liked it, I would get some time out of it. But I don't.
0: Well, let's yeah, talk. Well, then let's say like Mario Golf. Uh, going into that, you because you were excited for the single player, plus you wanted to play multiplayer. Yeah. So going into that, what were you thinking? Like how do you think like with Mario Golf, did you want it to be less than sixty?
1: I think if they played I think I think if they hadn't announced that they were going to add more courses and stuff, I would have felt a little um apprehensive about sending sixty on it. Mm. Because that was everyone's complaint at the beginning that it didn't have enough content. And I I kind of they They convinced me by promising more content, and mm. they've added they added three three courses over the last six months, and that's on top of six. So you get like fifty percent more courses, which I'd say is a pretty good amount of post launch support um for free Not, and um,
0: so do you think uh, that multiplayer games should be priced differently because they're multiplayer? And I also do want to bring up the comparison, like board games inherently have to deal with this, but board games are generally pretty cheap, uh, or I guess that's super, that's also super uh, I don't, contextual. I
1: don't think that's true these days. I think there's a lot of specialty board games there that are, are 50, but those are specialty even, even board
0: games. But, okay, you know what? Actually, that's an even better point is, that you're bringing up. So with that context... Do you feel that single-player and multiplayer games, just on their replayability, should be priced differently, like as categories? Hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, question. It's something I wrestled with too. So while you're thinking, I'll I'll, I'll just kind of go over my thoughts, which was, I am definitely in favor of more price fluctuation. And other than the special edition stuff, which they've been doing, and we've brought up before, as, as I think that it would make sense for a game like Skyrim, Grand Theft Auto Six, uh, Grand, excuse me, Grand Theft Auto Five, and like it, and those kind of bigger games, like I think it'd make more sense to charge a bit more for them. Sure, they wouldn't sell as big, but everything goes on sale eventually. More people would pick it up, or who knows, maybe a bunch of people would play it. It would also I mean, Game Pass, Gamefly, and other, like, trial services, it might push more people towards that in order to try those games at a cheaper price point. We also were just talking about used games on the last episode. So people might be more interested in that. So it's tough to say, but I would be more of... I'm I'm more inclined to say instead of terrible microtransactions, instead of exploitative gameplay stuff, I'd rather see just some higher base prices, which is kind of where I'm not that mad about the $70 increase. In general, I think their reasons are terrible. But because they're still going to monetize on top of it, we're not seeing like, look, we're going to charge $70. So we never have to put microtransactions in the game. That's not what it is. They're like, it's already too expensive. Like your profits are going up every year. We see the financial reports. Let's stop lying. So but I wouldn't mind if we started seeing game like like playing with that pay scale. We've also got the issue of the race at the bottom, with like free to play mobile games that's bleeding into the free bigger free to play games. Like people now, and th- this is not to say it's negative. It's the microtransaction part makes it, in my opinion, more negative than positive. But when we're seeing games like Genshin Impact come out that are like made nearing triple A quality. But it's still like a games of service thing where they're releasing these big chapters, and you, the base game of that is really only like that's like actually like a ten hour game. If they cut made it all quality of life and cut out all the extra fluff they put in there to fluff out that games of service thing, and um, I and I'll say the same about Fantasy Star Online Two New Genesis. If they had actually had more of that, like it's it's good that they're free to play, but that if those games were actually sold. Kind of like the Destiny style, where it's like an expansion, and Destiny is a good one to, to lump into this too. People are getting really warped perceptions of what value is, and in the in in, in uh, relation to Genshin, and in relation to somewhat to New Genesis, them being free to play is really good value, especially because there's going to be more content later and. You're only gonna get so much time put you should only put so much time into those at the start. Um, but then if you and I feel like if you were charged sixty dollars for what Genshin was at stage one and for New Genesis, I'd be like that, you totally got ripped off. I would have felt like Destiny vanilla Destiny one vanilla all over again. Like that was not a sixty dollar experience. This was a twenty dollar, you are starting this journey uh here with us, and it's baseline despite the production values. Like, Destiny 1 was not a bad-looking game when it came out, other than the poor frame rate was, like, its biggest mark against it, in my opinion. But everything else was, you know, and stuff that, that wasn't in the game, like picking up in-game items that told you to go to a website to get the, the information, like, they didn't need a codex. They didn't even copy-paste into a Word doc and, and put it on the disc, man, you know what I'm saying, or download it in the day-one patch. It's so weird. But that's, I, I that's where I think, like, we need to be more comfortable with that and as both as a culture and the industry. And I think if we were a little more honest with the pricing we'd get, then we could avoid the need for microtransactions, but that's also denying the fact that publishers are too greedy and need to calm down and need, need to be regulated in order to prevent this kind of this, this bloat, which is taking the industry in a different direction. Now, that's not to deny that the indie scene and tools are getting better and that we're also seeing that. But that's not the huge market. That's where all the marketing budgets are going. All that stuff you still have to dig for. So I'm more of a fan of that. And I think with multiplayer games, um, I don't know, because I'm getting more fond of games that have singular modes. And I think that games that have like one type of thing that, that it focuses on, like look at Fortnite with its Battle Royale. It, its main mode is just that battle royale, and I think they like put like little gimmicks in between and rotations. I forget exact. I I don't know exactly how Fortnite works in general, but we're getting more to the point that there's these bigger games with single modes, and I do feel like that might need to be a different pricing structure, based on how that is. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll toss back to you after this last thought here, which is I was talking with another friend about this stuff, and they they threw out the thought that they think that maybe all multiplayer games should start out as free to play from now on because the whole point is you need buy-in. You need more people to just jump in and be playing and fill that pool out and see that and give people a chance. Uh, Let people take the chance with little to no risk to get into it and then invest in another way. So that's a thought right there. Um, And so that's where I'm leaning towards. I think we do need different pricing structures and we should be a bit different uh, based on how people are expected to play the game. Uh, So, what have you come up with so far free
1: to play would be nice for multiplayer games um i i i guess i as far as price goes i'm i i think i'm i don't like it but i think i'm more okay with a company like sony or nintendo raising the price of their games by ten dollars because historically they don't milk you for a lot of like day one dlc or micro in their their big releases so you know if, if they continue that trend you can expect a quality complete game that usually is not full of bugs on release so it's like you're getting your money's worth for that it's it's um and you don't and and they're not usually pursuing other types of monetization um For a game that's like loaded with microtransactions as its way of monetizing it, I think those should be free to play. Like you should not have to pay for FIFA sixty dollars every year and also have all that other monetization. It should be a free to play game. Like any anything that is loaded with either cosmetics or loot boxes or XP boost, whatever they want to sell you, there's no reason they they have to charge you sixty dollars on top of that. And I, I think you've mentioned before, and I, I kind of agree with you that like an MMO, why do I have to pay for like an MMO and also pay monthly? Like a, a game, a, a game as a service should be priced as a service, not as a release and also a service. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, um, also, the way you phrased the thing. I
1: do, I, oh, God, I was going to say, I do think that a possible way to to still have them get the money they desire and have games be free to play. is just to launch them on a subscription service like PS plus or Nintendo switch online or, um, you know, game pass. You know They, I think this month they, they just launched a new multiplayer game on PS plus. What was it called? Like first class trouble or something. It's, it's one of those like bluffing, like social it's, it's kind of like oh, a fancier yeah, yeah. version of, of, a, of among us. Yeah. 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 But, but, I think that's a really good way to get a player base, but still have some sort of initial funding because people are already paying for the subscription. You know, that's how wow. um, Fall, Fall Guys blew up last year. Fall Guys and Rocket PS League. Plus game.
0: Yeah. Both started out as free PS Plus games and got people in, yeah. Playing, yeah. Um, yeah, the way you phrased the thing, it, it made actually a very interesting point. Uh, I don't think you were you were intending this, but it's it's a great point and you can have it, which is... uh basically the way that FIFA Ultimate Team works, that is a free-to-play game because that's technically an entire different mode and the way things kind of go, that is like, could be its own game. That would be like a mobile game and that would be a free-to-play mobile game where people can spend money on those card packs and get all that stuff and it's just tied into the the full game that there is. So um, that's an interesting thing you brought up, which, yeah, in a way that is a free-to-play game. It's just a free-to-play add-on in a way that... Uh, and. Uh, tying it back to a less egregious example is like how if you bought Ghost of Tsushima, you get the Legends mode for free, and then now they're selling it separately because some people will probably just want to play that, and we'll just be like, "No, I just want to co-op Samurai modes with my with my friends and play through that stuff," um, and that's pretty cool too. So, but yeah, subscription services—that's going to change things a lot too. Um, and as I've been catching up on some other podcasts, they they floated some ideas, and I just want to make sure I'm mentioning that these are not my original ideas. I'm hearing these things, and I'm bringing it to the conversation. Was like how it's, uh, and we also talked about the, a little bit on used games, where I, I mentioned the point, I wonder how it's going to be, what it would be like, how people would, if, if they didn't have to worry about price, what what people would do with their gaming habits, how many games they would play, how many they would try, how long they'd stick with them, if there was no monetary, or very li- yeah no monetary um investment to have them and now with like game pass and like game services like that it is interesting to see because it's much more affordable you know you've come around as well seeing like you know what actually this is pretty darn great and now the only idea is the only limiting factors is the game i want to play on my on here but you can always just find a new game that you may never have wanted to try until you're like well it doesn't cost me anything extra to play this right now and i can beat it if i want if i like it enough so, I wonder if, like, yeah, it seems like with multiplayer services, yeah, I think it would be free-to-play is, for multiplayer, not a bad idea, if all multiplayer games have to be free-to-play, and then, I don't know if I, you could still play around with it, whether it's buy-in once, and I think you should have options, I think, shout-out to options, which is, um, maybe you pay, like, one big lump sum, and then you just get all the DLC for in per- perpetuity, or you get a whole set of, like, stuff in. Um, there's, like, the serving month. You could pay, like, a monthly service fee. A lot of, the, like, the free-to-play stuff does, like, battle passes instead, where they do, like, these batches of content. But you sell them. What sucks about battle passes, I'm going to shout out, is that you have to pay to unlock them, but then also you have to play to unlock them, and you don't get, and you can run out. Like, there's battle passes where you have to grind everything out, and if you don't do it in a time frame, then you lose whatever you don't unlock. That's stupid. That shouldn't exist. Yeah, that kind of
1: stinks. <laughs> that sh-
0: that should get you thrown in jail for a couple days at least uh, for, for develop putting that in your game. Um, and we'll we'll put the publishers there because they're probably the ones telling developers to do this. So the publishers, developers are fine; they can keep their jobs. Um, in fact, we're gonna we're gonna promote developers up as we jail publishers. That's what we should do. Um every time they every time a microtransaction happens, one publisher, one employee at the end publisher, starting from the CEO down. Because obviously the CEO is at the top, makes the most decisions. So we'll start there. That person gets arrested, then the person under them gets arrested, then the people on that level. That's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna clean up the system. Um but yeah, I so yeah, I think replay value should affect pricing. But how and I I don't. I guess the flat rate pricing makes the most sense right now because there's so much value to it, or uh sorry subjective evaluation to how things go. Um, because I, so,
1: I also want to say that if they are going to raise, like if you're if you're saying that like Super Smash or like another multiplayer game with a lot of value is going to cost me eighty dollars out of the gate, it better have a really full featured demo or. return policy because it's a lot to ask someone to invest eighty dollars in a game that they don't know if they're gonna like it
0: I feel so bad Uh, I wanted to lead that as an example with the return policy because part of the reason why I I actually moved this topic up um, and then we we rearranged the schedule a little bit but I wanted to have this conversation was because of the whole article about that indie game that got uh, where the developer came out and said hey because of my game being short and people returning it within the return policy on steam that i had to go out of business i can't like keep doing it and i was just like that is such an interesting concept uh event with a lot of things tied into it from the industry's thing that i wanted to talk about it but i think we're gonna have to do an episode about return policies specifically Um, yeah i think so maybe or, or we've tied it in but that's that's with game length i wanted to bring it into replay value because sure maybe your game can be completed in 90 minutes overestimated, but people have their own difficulty things. People could replay it. Is there stuff, is there reasons to replay it? Is there reasons to hold on to it? Um, when should people be able to get their money back? And we touched on that a little bit with used games. Um, and we're, well, we've are we touched on return policies and, and other things. So, shoot, we I'm going to have to revisit that. Uh, I want our listeners to know that I'm aware of that news, and I wanted to definitely jump off on that. And I meant to tie that into this, and we just <laughs> ended up getting so far this is a big topic this is exactly what i thought um this is a huge uh long topic which still for more to talk about more granularity we could get into but we are well over our our time for for today so um yeah that's what i want to revisit eventually um we'll see we'll see when we get back to that and how to tie it into uh the, the conversations and Ed, was there anything else you wanted to mention about replay value before we go or any other tidbits you wanted to share?
1: Um, I, I just think in general, it's a good idea to give consumers choices, choices in, you know, how much of a game they want to replay. Like give give people enough content where if they want to get more out of it, they can because everyone, everyone has you know, their idea of how much they want to get out of it. You know, it's like, it's, it's like giving, you know, we talked about side quests before, but to me, like replay value is kind of like the other side of the coin for that is it's there for people who want to get more out of a game with extra modes and more options, things to unlock, but it's optional. And I, I think that's a good thing.
0: I agree. I think that's uh that's well said. So in the, uh, spirit of getting out of here thank you so much to all our listeners for being with us today i hope you enjoy all the other episodes as well and our future episodes ed as always thanks so much for being here today it was a great conversation
1: yeah i i i had a lot to say about this topic yeah and we think still, we both did
0: yeah i think we still have a lot to to hash out too which is great so yeah uh thanks again everyone we hope you are well and we'll talk to you again later.
1: Bye.